church. I am so excited to be before you all tonight. God has already done so much in this place and in this atmosphere. So we are just going to jump right in while it is already charged and ready for us. Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe of you. We're just amazed, God. And tonight, we just take this opportunity to stand like little children in wonder, in awe of you. Right now, God, I ask as we prepare to enter your throne room that you would speak loudly to us. Let us get exactly what it is we need on tonight. Let the word be full of your breath, God. Let it come through powerfully, mighty. Let it be confirmation. Let it be clarity. Let it be healing. Let it be delivering. Let it be everything that we need in Jesus' name. You know, I the past couple of weeks, I have been so enjoying Pastor Gail's series on favor. Have y'all been enjoying it? It's been so good, and it's been so rich. Every time I have gone home, and I've been excited, and I've been ready. You know, I've been singing Thai Tribbett. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Like, I want all my stuff. I want everything that the favor of God has for me. And I, I was praying about it, and... um God asked me, if he gave me everything I was asking for, would I be able to receive it? And my immediate thought was, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. But the more he began to draw me in to think about the question more deeply, he didn't ask me, could I handle it? He didn't ask me if I was ready for it. He asked me, would I be able to receive it? And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about being ready to receive. I want to talk about the posture of receiving. So if you will, let's turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. And that's Luke 18, 15 through 17. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them saying, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And so to give you some context, we find Jesus nearing the end of a very long journey back to Jerusalem. He has just finished teaching about his return as the son of man. He's been discussing a lot of things. He's been healing a lot of people. And we find him here in chapter 18 teaching. 
And he starts teaching through his usual modality of parables. He gives us two parables. And then some of the people begin to bring their children near him. They bring babies to him and they want him to bless them. But the disciples, always doing a little too much, decide to rebuke these people. And they tell him, no, Jesus, he doesn't have time for that. Take these children away. But immediately Jesus shuts it down. And he says, no, bring them to me. And he starts to use these children as an analogy to basically create an object lesson on how we are to receive. See, the word receive is mentioned over 324 times in scripture. Almost as much as we hear the words, do not be afraid. The Webster's Dictionary defines receive with a couple of different definitions. To come into possession of, to act as a receptacle or container for, or to permit to enter. To permit to enter. Now, in the Greek, the word receive has 17 different forms. We have just this one word, but in Greek, there are 17 different forms of the word receive. This was an extremely nuanced concept. And see, when we think about receiving, a lot of times we think about getting it. We think about taking it. We think about, you know, I'm going to get my blessing. I'm going to get my miracle. I'm going to get my breakthrough. But that's not the context that the scripture gives us. The word that's used here in this scripture is a Greek word, dehomai. That is a passive verb. And it relates most closely to the idea of a welcome reception. It means to let it in. What if I were to tell you that everything that you are seeking and asking God for, everything that you are looking for his favor to do in your life, you don't have to try. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to get it. You just have to let it in. Everything that God has for us in scripture, he tells us to receive it. We're told to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive our reward, to receive the anointing, to receive his grace, to receive our salvation, to receive the gospel. He tells us to receive it. There's so much that we're told to receive, but unfortunately, we don't talk a lot about how to receive it. So he tells us here to do it like little children. So how do little children receive? You know, my son is two. He'll be three in April. And it is always such a joy to watch him open his presents. And I remember his first Christmas, I went crazy buying stuff, okay? I bought the whole, everything in the store was on the living room. And, of course, my husband was like, "Why? he is one years old. Why are you buying all of this stuff? But I'm like, I just want to see his face. I want to see the joy. What I didn't realize is the same joy he had over those toys, he had over a box that, was, that the toys came in. He didn't care. 
He enjoyed it. He received it. He loved it. He took everything that we offered with oohs and ahs and excitement. He doesn't question why am I giving to him, giving it to him. He doesn't question if he earned it or not. He doesn't question whether he deserves it. He trusts that everything I'm giving him is good. And so in the text, he's talking about children. But Luke gives us this important detail in verse 15. It says they were bringing their babies. So we're not even just talking about toddlers. We're talking about very small children. We're talking about infants. What is the definitive characteristic of babies? It is dependency. That's what separates a baby from anyone else, from anything else, is they come into the world totally dependent. They are empty in their hands and looking for us to fill them up. Because, see, receiving requires dependency. It demands it. It's the quintessential component that characterizes receiving. If you're trying to figure out how to receive what God has for you, you have to receive it with being dependent. If you can't be dependent, it won't happen. So how do we do that? What I love about the book of Luke is he gives us this profound truth and he kind of masterfully weaves it in between these illustrations before and after it. You see, this particular passage of scripture, it's in all three of the synoptic gospels, but Luke is the only one who puts it in these particular happenings in the scripture. He makes a conscious choice to give us some additional insight into how to receive. And so the chapter begins with these two parables, and then it ends with two individuals' encounters with Jesus. So it starts off in verse 1 through 8 with the parable of the persistent widow. The persistent widow is a a parable that Jesus Jesus uses where a widow has been wronged. And she's asking a corrupt judge over and over again to give her justice. And at first, the judge is refusing repeatedly. But she keeps asking and keeps asking. And eventually, he says, fine. And he just does it. Now, for a lot of us growing up, this parable always felt odd to me. I didn't really understand it. It felt like it didn't fit in scripture, like it didn't go with the rest of the word. But when we start to look at it from the context that we have today, I think it might make a little bit more sense. See, he tells us that it starts out being about prayer. He tells us in the text that it's for them to pray and not lose heart. See, When we are seeking God about something, we have to keep praying about the thing. Matthew 7 and 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Ask, seek, and knock are all verbs in the present tense. That means they imply that it is to keep going, that you have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. That is still happening. Even when it hasn't happened yet, you have to keep asking in prayer. A lot of us are playing ding dong ditch with God. 
because we're knocking on the door, but by the time he can get up and answer it, we've already left. We have to keep asking. So the first posture of receiving is persistence in prayer. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference between repetitious prayers out of unbelief and persistent prayer in faith. Because, see, when you pray repetitiously in unbelief, you keep lifting it up to God as though he doesn't know that you want it or need it. See, if you're repeating it because you think he can't hear you, that's a repetitious prayer in unbelief. But when you're persistent in prayer, you recognize that you are praying continuously because God is preparing. See, prayer is a period of preparation. When you're praying persistently, you recognize that God is preparing either you or the thing. See, sometimes you got to keep putting it before the Lord, saying, Lord, I I know that it's coming, God. I know that you're working on it, and I'm excited about it. I don't know if you need to do something in me. Is there something going on? Look into my heart. Let me know. Make me ready for it. Persistence in prayer is a requirement for receiving. And so the widow, she keeps asking She keeps coming and she keeps asking, give me justice. Do you notice what we don't see in the story? She wasn't doing anything else to try to get it on her own. She just kept asking the judge. But we don't see where she tried to contact her adversary. We don't see where she was trying to make a plea to get it back on her own. She demonstrates the second posture of receiving, and that is stillness. So often we try to figure out our own way into what God has for us. We keep trying to figure out how to do it ourselves. We'll ask him. But we're already working on it. We got a plan A, we got a plan B, we got two plan C's and a crazy cousin on standby. We're always trying to do it ourselves. We do so much moving, but have you ever tried to give somebody something who was still moving? It's impossible. Last week, Pastor Gail said that favor doesn't chase you down. He's absolutely right, because even if it caught you, it can't give you everything that it has for you. We have to be still. Be still and know that I am God. If we look at that in the Hebrew in the context of which it comes, be still and know that I am that. So whatever that thing is that you want, be still and know that I am that. Receiving requires stillness. And so... She's asking persistently. She's asking from this posture of stillness. And she's saying, give me a legal protection. Give me a legal protection from my adversary. What I love about the widow is she doesn't try to tell him how to do what she's asking. 
She doesn't try to say, give me three times what he took from me. She doesn't try to say, make him apologize. She doesn't say, hey, you should use law 610. That'll really get it done. She doesn't say how it needs to get done. She just says, give me a legal protection. Because the third posture of receiving is openness. She was open to however God was going to do what it is that she needed done. She wasn't grasping at anything in particular. She wasn't trying to control the situation. She was letting him be free to move however he wanted to do the thing that she needed. She was open. For a lot of us, openness is a linchpin in our issues. It makes it hard for us to receive because we like to focus on the how. We like to be in control. We like to have all of our ducks in a row and be able to say, okay, God, I got it all lined up. Do what you do. Move here. When we look at the story of the rich young ruler, God asked him to give away his wealth. And he doesn't ask this because God doesn't like money or that he doesn't like rich people. There were plenty of rich people who followed Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea, Cornelius, the centurion, Barnabas. They were all wealthy people who followed Jesus. He doesn't ask because money is the problem. It's because giving creates openness. See, when our hands are full of what we are holding... We're not in a position to receive what he has for us. The importance of giving is that it opens you up to receive. Because, see, a lot of times we'll think, well, Lord, I'm just trying to be a good steward. I'm I'm just trying to hold on to what you gave for me. But understand that everything we are meant to hold in the kingdom, we are meant to hold with an open hand. We are not meant to grasp, to clutch anything. We hold with an open hand. That's why when we say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, both of those verbs are present tense, just like ask, seek, and not, because he keeps on taking because he keeps on giving. It's an open hand that we're meant to hold everything with. But see, to us it says, but if I, if I don't, Grip it. If I'm not in control, if I don't hold it, I might lose it. Trust that if you no longer have it, it's because you weren't meant to. And even if you lost it, something else is coming to fill it as long as your hand stays open. And so Luke moves us from this theoretical understanding that we get in the parables into a demonstrative application when we look at the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler is in verse 18 to 27. And so this young rich guy, we don't know if he is a ruler in a a political sense or if he's a ruler in a religious sense, but he is a man of authority. And he walks up on Jesus and he greets him. And he says, good teacher. Now understand that this was an odd greeting to Jesus. No one at this time used the concept or the title of good for anyone or any particular person. Goodness was reserved for God in this context. 
They didn't believe that people in themselves were good. So this is an odd way for him to greet him. And so Jesus challenges him. He picks up on it and he says, how do you know that I'm good? Why do you call me good? And that challenge is because he's, he's asking, do you really know who I am? Do you really know who I am to you? Do you really know that I'm good? And see, what we find is that the reality is no, because if he did, he would understand that his question of what do I need to do to obtain eternal life was completely moot because the reality is he was asking it to the person who was the way, the truth, and the life standing right in front of him. See, if he knew who he really was, he wouldn't have been afraid or sad to give up everything because he would have understood that everything he was giving up was nothing compared to what he would gain from who was in front of him. See, in order to receive, you have to be very clear on who the giver really is. You have to understand unequivocally the true nature of God. You have to know that he is good. You have to really be in relationship to know the nature of the giver. And so the fourth posture of receiving is relationship. And now I want to be very clear and, and make sure that we understand it's not just proximity. It's not just about being in the area or being near. See, some of us are near enough to God to ask him, but we're not close enough to God to trust him. Our relationship is altered when our image of him is distorted. You have to understand who he is and who he is to you. And so when we look at the story, when we look at the rich young ruler, and we see this man asking, how does he obtain eternal life? And Jesus tells him, give away everything. Give away all your money and your stuff. Basically, he says, open up your hand. And the man gets sad. And he misses his opportunity to receive exactly what he had asked for. But if we go down just a little further in scripture, God gives us an example of what happens when receiving goes well. Just a few passages down, we have the story of blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. I'm at verse 36. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. I got just a little bit more to give y'all. Y'all still with me? 
What we see with Bartimaeus, firstly, is that he's got more than just proximity. He has relationship. See, the people, when he's asking who is it that's coming by, what's happening, they say it's Jesus of Nazareth. But Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David. He knows who he is to him. He knows, he says, wait a minute, you're the fulfillment of a prophecy. You're the long-awaited deliverer. You're the one who's going to rule forever. You're Jesus, son of David. He knew who he was to him. So we see he has relationship. Then we see him immediately stop begging from the people when he realizes the Lord is coming by. If you really think about it, when they say a crowd is coming, it's a lot of people. If you're a beggar, that's the time to shine. That's when you're really about to get paid. But in that moment, he's like, nah, that's not what matters right now. Let me just seek Jesus. He lets go and releases his own works. He he lets go of the works of the flesh and he seeks after Jesus. And then we start to see him be persistent in prayer. Because people were actively telling him to be quiet. People were telling him to stop. He was doing too much, but he just kept on asking. He kept getting louder. He kept on going. He kept on asking for Jesus to have mercy on him. He says, have mercy on me. So he was persistent. He was still. He had relationship. And then his simple prayer of have mercy on me. He was open. Whatever you're going to do, Lord, just do it. Just do it. He was open. He was ready for whatever he had. And this posture put him in a position where it says Jesus commanded he be brought near. We don't see that a lot in scripture. We don't see things that say Jesus commanded that he be brought near. I want to have a posture that makes Jesus command that I get closer. I want to have something happen in my life where Jesus commands things to move for me to get what I need. He brings them closer. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want to regain my sight. Understand this, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having desires. Any of these sort of new age teachings and things that will tell you you have to be empty of desire, you won't have to want for nothing, that's just foolishness. That's not even possible. That's not even reasonable. There's nothing wrong with having a desire. Jesus asked him plainly, what is it that you want me to do? And he said, I want to regain my sight. This is what I want. If Jesus would have told him to wash his eyes with mud, he would have did it. If Jesus would have touched him with his hands, he would have been ready. If Jesus told him that he was going to blow on him, spit on him, whatever he needed to do, he was ready to do what he needed for Jesus to move in his life. He had a posture To receive. And look at what it says in verse 42. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. He received it. He didn't have to earn it. He didn't have to walk his way into it. He didn't have to try. He didn't have to see if he was deserving. He received 
his sight. He let it in. I just want to conclude by telling you this. The second parable, the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. We see these two men praying from their two different postures. The Pharisee's prayer is full of judgment. It's full of himself. He says, I, five times in two lines of prayer. And he only says the name of God once. The tax collector was actively sinning. But the Pharisee was doing all of the right things. He was doing everything. He was fasting. He was praying. He was tithing. He was doing all the things that he was supposed to do. Tax collector wasn't doing any of that. But he's the one that Jesus said went home justified. Stop putting your emphasis on if you are doing the right things or not. Stop worrying about if you're taking the right steps. Stop worrying about is this the right one? Is this the right choice? Am I getting it right? Is it perfect? How should it look? How should it be? Your ability to receive isn't based on if you did it all correctly or not. Some of us end up in a state of paralysis by analysis. We're thinking so hard about how to get it perfect that we don't do anything at all. When I was first starting my business, I had my license for a year and a half before I ever took a client. And the sole reason was because I couldn't figure out if I had got the colors right on my logo. A year and a half of people who I could have been helping, who I could have been serving, who God could have been positioning me for, but I was worried about if the colors in the logo were right. Getting it right is not the precursor to receiving. That's why when scripture says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered, though he fall. That's the very next line. That's the very next line. A lot of times we start to think that the steps be in order means that he's telling us exactly where to go, but that's not what it means. It means that he's with us with every step we take. And even when we fall, he's still there. Allow yourself the space and opportunity to be free of a need to get it right. Allow yourself the ability to embrace a posture to receive. The other thing about the Pharisee's prayer, he didn't even really ask God for anything. He was completely and totally talking to God, but praying to himself. Sometimes we talk to God, but we're praying to ourselves. Allow yourself to be dependent on God. Be persistent in your prayer. Be still. Be open. And remember who he is to you. My prayer tonight is that you receive everything that God has for you. That you cease from striving. That you let go of a need to take 
hold of, to try to possess things, to try to control things, that you will simply let it in. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stand with me for a second here.